Good morning. It is so oh, uh, 8.30, 8.40, something like that. And uh, the 11th of January, 2014, uh, about 36 degrees out, which is good because first day above freezing in a while. The uh, morning walk was taken off the air because it was below freezing and it was really flipping cold out there. So, sorry about that, but we are back on that horse. Unfortunately, the uh, word count has suffered in exactly the same way. I just haven't been uh, getting up in the mornings and doing it. Morning. So, uh, so yeah, I think we're still in the low 50s something when we should be at about 60. Now, by now we should be at about 70. But I'm not worried. This is why we plan this way. I mean, all right, yeah, I probably won't get beginning of February, which was my goal. But Mr. Jasper has decided we need to take a little rest <coughs> to pause and reflect. So let's see, what's been happening? Um, I was telling you that I've fallen behind on the writing, but I ain't worried, because I know that even at this rate, I mean, the rate that I've set up for myself, if I take a week off here and there, it doesn't screw anything up. Still get three to four. All right, I gotta stop, stop saying four. I mean, yes, technically, you could get four novels written, but it's not going to happen. I'm going to get three novels this year. That's my goal. And that is entirely doable. And that, at three novels this year, that allows for being able to say something like, hey, I've got this, uh, I mean, uh, I've got a week that I can take off. So, that's good. Anyway, so we had, what was it, Storm Center Hercules, or Polar Vortex, or, I forget. They seem to be writing them after action stories now. It's not El Nino anymore. Anyway, um... So, so yeah, I was supposed to be getting a thousand words a day. I didn't average more than maybe 200 at best. So, falling behind, probably won't make February. That's okay. As long as I just don't stop, you know? 
today being a Saturday, I've decided I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit with the uh, with the system. I'm doing a version of the five-minute plan, which is to say that. Oh, by the way, 200, uh, 200 words, 200 considered words, takes closer to 10 minutes. Just throwing that out there. I don't know if that's, I mean, you know, your mileage may vary. But I had this, uh, I can write 200 words in five minutes thing going, where I would just sit down and blast it. Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I didn't feel good about the way it was turning out. It felt like it was rushing, rushing, rushing. So I've uh, loosened it to 10 minutes. It gives me a chance to reorganize sentence structure as needed, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, so eight o'clock, which I've already done, uh, 10 o'clock, noon, Two, four, six, eight, ten, and all of those. I'm gonna take a short break for about ten minutes, just sit and write for a bit, and then go back to whatever I was doing. We got, uh, I gotta get laundry. Um, what else? We've got a baby shower to go to today. I'd like to go out and see Secret Life of Walter Mitty, because that's the kind of story that really jumps out at me. I know it's not quite like that for everybody, but it's the kind that I really love. And it's been out for a while, afraid I'm going to miss it. So I'd like to do that. But other than that, yeah, just every couple hours, write 10, 10 minutes. If I have to write 400 words over 20 minutes, then because I skip one, then I'll just have to do that. But uh, yeah. So let's see, uh, yesterday it was uh, one of the Cruzan kids' birthday. One of the Cruzan's kids' birthdays. Yeah, it was one of them. And uh, so we went to Medieval Times. And I got uh, got some good pictures and video off of Google Glass. I don't know what it is about that place. They will give you a massive, you know hunk of chicken, well-spiced chicken. They will give you a, you know, rib. They give you a water-thin tomato bisque. They give you bread. And uh, the whole time, every time I go there, I feel like, oh, I'm so famished. I need more food. I don't know why that is. I think it's sort of the, I know how much it costs for me to sit here. So I feel like I should get as much food as humanly possible. Which sounds ridiculous. Because we all know you're there for the show. And man, I don't know if it's 
just me or if it's, you know, getting dumber. But uh, this was like war by interpretive dance. I mean, it was slightly more faked than professional wrestling. I don't know. I mean, I realize that they're entertainers up there trying to do a show. Can't diss them for that. At the same time, I don't know, you just sort of expect a little bit better, a little bit better show. I don't know. There, there were sections of it that reminded me of when I was a kid, slap fighting with my little brother. That kind of thing. And they put phosphor on the uh, swords so that they spark and shine when they hit. And all the kids go, ooh, and on. And I get that. I should really try and tap into that. But every single completely fake sweep or the guy who falls down when nobody was anywhere near him. That kind of stuff. It just, I don't know. Just didn't seem at all real. I mean, at all. So anyway. Oh, hustle, Mr. Jasper. Good hustle. Sorry, we were crossing a street and then I saw that there was a car waiting for us. So, let's see. What else is happening? We went to... We went to do that. Got some words done yesterday. Oh, you know, um... Sat down to play Borderlands 2. Which I am wont to do. For it is an awesome game. And, uh... So I've noticed something. I finished the regular mode. You start over and you play the true Vault Hunter mode. Alright, so they're tougher. So, okay. You go through and you're playing your true Vault Hunter mode. Then you go and you play Ultimate Vault Hunter mode. And it's like, it's not even... I mean... It doesn't seem fair, you know? With regular Borderlands, if you can't do something, you go off and you gain XP, you gain a few levels, then you come back and you try again. That's the way it works in Borderlands. Your enemy will be level 58. If you left him at 58, he will stay at 58. And then... If you come back at level 60, he's still 58, and you got a better chance of killing him. Sorry if that seems like cheating, but... 
game gets really, really hard without that. And I speak from experience because in Ultimate Vault Hunter mode, these guys scale to fit your level so that everything is a little bit harder than it was before. I mean, it's always that same level of harder. For instance, we got this, uh, this new mission uh, in uh, Marcus's Mercenary something. It's basically uh, their Christmas uh, add-on. And in the Christmas add-on, the, uh, the main bad guy is a gigantic snowman. And uh, he's about two levels higher than you are. And he does an astonishing amount of damage. He uh, does this thing where he runs around, he drops into the ground, runs straight toward you, and then pops up, doing a remarkable amount of damage when he pops up. Now, you can't really outrun him, and as soon as he pops up, you lose your shield. And I'm playing a Mecromancer, which means that I'm genu generally a little bit, uh, what's the word? I'm weaker than my, uh, my bot, my special skill, my, uh, what is it called? Death something? Death robot? Anyway, basically I create a uh, robot and I send him out to fight along with me. So I'm kind of a necromancer. But like a necromancer, who is a magician, I'm very weak. So this guy running up to me, popping up, there goes your shields, and one hit, now you're dead. So that was really rough. I lost a lot of money respawning, getting new weapons, all that kind of stuff, trying to take him out. Never got, got him below 50% health. So I went out and I said, all right, I'm gonna do the mature thing. I'm gonna go do side missions until I build up levels and then it'll be easier. I go back in two levels later and he's now two levels higher than that. It's just not fair. Life isn't fair, video games should be. Anyway, speaking of 50% health, started thinking about uh, HUDs the other day. Heads up display. It's this thing where you, uh, you show an overlay on the screen with information that the player is going to want to know, like a local map, their health, their ammo count, that kind of thing. And I started realizing. Google Glass gives you a kind of HUD. Um, I've got this app for it that will show me how fast I'm moving and in what direction. A little compass and a speed. Which is kind of cool when I'm driving. You know, I don't have to look down at the speedometer. 
course, since it doesn't stay always on, I have to dip my head back to wake it up and then look up, which I'm not really sure which is faster. But it's still cool to have. Also, they got another side-loaded app that if your head declines by a certain number of degrees, it assumes that you've gone to sleep, and it'll tell you, hey, you're going to sleep, let me give you directions to the nearest rest stop, which is kind of cool. But anyway, I started thinking of it like a HUD. More importantly, I started thinking about what a HUD would mean in real life. I mean, what if you knew, absolutely knew, what your current health was? Not some vague sort of, I'm a little bit overweight, or I could eat better, or I think I've got, a, you know, a heart problem, that kind of stuff, but your overall numerical health, once it gets to zero, you're dead, that kind of thing. Morning. I mean, on the one hand, it'd be really, really cool to see, you know, a number of hearts in the upper right-hand corner of your vision. Shows how close you are to perfect health. The problem is, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's in perfect health. I mean, even athletes, you sort of figure athletes are going to have the best health there is. Then you hear about linebackers' knees and you think, oh yeah, well, I mean, look at what, he's, what strain he's putting on it. So, alright, what's the balance? There's going to be some point where it's perfect health, where your legs are strong, but your knees aren't being worn down on a daily basis. What's even worse is that that's not a health meter. Not really. It's a life meter. As soon as you get to zero, it goes out. Which makes it like a... the gem in people's palms in Logan's Run. As soon as this HUD goes black, you're dead. It becomes a clock. Long clock. It's only one midnight. So yeah, can you imagine walking around with that? Something that shows not only how healthy you are, how locally healthy you are, but how long you live, how long you have lived with respect to how long before you die. And you know there's no potions. You take medicine, your body repairs itself, you get to see a few blips on that scale. But in a video game, you take a potion and you are at full health. Some people won't go into a battle unless they're at full health. Some skills don't kick in unless you have full health. 
Nobody's got full health. Just seemed, I mean, I started off with, wouldn't it be cool to find out what your health was through a little HUD on your, on your vision? And then I ended up with, I think that might be the most depressing thing in the world. So anyway, it'd be funny seeing money too. <laughs> I picture it as two numbers. One of them, uh, one of them presented normally, the other one in parentheses. One of them showing your complete and total net worth. The other one showing how much you have on you at the moment. Like your wallet worth versus your, uh, Total worth. So, um, anyway, yeah, I thought that'd be kind of fun. It's something I should try to incorporate into a story. It's not a story in itself, but it would make for interesting addition. Chances are, if you were to build it, it wouldn't be like that. It wouldn't be a number. It wouldn't be a, uh, a bunch of hearts. Well, it might be a number. But it wouldn't be like from one to six. It'd be a ghastly percentage. And I'm not kidding in the least when I say as soon as they come up with their percentage, people are going to put it on their dating profiles. Okay, Cupid. Won't date someone under a 40%. You want to talk about gamifying life insurance? Good grief. It would radically alter how you do life insurance. And health insurance? Man, you might as well just put, insert your income level, insert your health percentage. This is all we can do for you. Yeah, the financial one was fun though, because I was thinking, once you put in a person's mortgage and uh, their income and everything, you end up with like negative 21,000 and then in parentheses, 20. saying you're massively in debt and have only 20 bucks on you. Actually, 20 grand isn't so bad. Wouldn't mind being 20 grand in debt myself, but that's another story.
speaking of which, but this is kind of funny. I hang with a lot of authors online, as you may know. And uh, one of them yesterday promoted his new project, which sounded frankly ridiculous. I don't know where authors got this idea, but you know, back in Mystery Science Theater when they pointed out how the hero has to have these manly names. First one has to sound buff and the second one has to be the name of something really hard. Slate. Slab. Hammer. That kind of thing. So they were coming up with things like hunk hard cheese. Ridiculous, campy names. And, uh, and somewhere along the line, I mean, I, I've seen three of them this week. New stories written by authors who see themselves as professional. And they're naming, naming their characters after, you know, this is my hero. He's got a strong, virile first name. Let's go with John. And his last name is something really tough. Like, swords. Seriously. Swords? With the help of his assistants, Bliss and Mac. Really? I swear. And the, the villain, I... His name couldn't be more camp if it was Humperdinck. Anyway. So I was just, I just don't get it. This is a professional writer. This guy does this for a living. When did that become okay? to just be wildly camp without admitting that you're being camp with, you know, trying to pretend like this is art instead of silly, fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they say that it's silly, fun, that's great, but it's not presented that way. It's presented as hard, bitten, serious stuff. I'm going to get in trouble just for saying it out loud. I know it. The other one I saw recently, the main character's name, he's a heavy metal singer named Death Noodle. He is uh, helped by a fairy whose name is Glitter Fairy, and uh, also by a robot whose name, I kid you not, is Robot. And together they fight the evil forces of copyright infringement law. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get how authors do that. All right, sit, stay. Stay.
Good boy. Okay. I ain't got nothing against camp. As long as you recognize it for what it is. You know, um, we went, we uh, saw Big Trouble Little China the other day. And my wife was just shaking her head going like, wow, they really embraced the whole campy thing, didn't they? With characters sputtering exposition and all that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, they really do. And that's what makes it awesome. Jack Colton is basically Duke Nukem. And, uh, and you know, Kurt Russell did a great job at it. Everybody did a good job recognizing that this is a campy story, and we're okay with that. We're having fun. That's okay. Uh, Frankenfurter. From, uh... Man, I'm losing my brain now. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show is amazingly camp, and they're totally cool with it. Because they know it. And that's a great movie. So now, what ruins it is when you say, we're not doing a campy story. When you start saying, this is a real story. When you start adding in elements of drama, you don't put drama in a campy story. It's supposed to be about quick random action, it's, it's id, it's not ego. So, so yeah, at some point we decided to just take the lazy expedient of naming your bad guy villain. And making them talk like, You'll never get away with this. While having almost nothing underneath. No character development whatsoever. <sighs> anyway. I can hardly talk. These guys probably saw a lot more than I do. Appealing to the id has very rarely proven a bad business strategy. It just makes me sad because when I sit down to tell a story, I'm like in the character's head and thinking the way they do and telling the story with as real a character as I can get. And it seems like cheating to just throw a bunch of random uh, effects and events together. And then call it art. I don't know. <sighs> so anyway, I saw that uh, the blurb for the thing that I couldn't believe. And um, sent it off to Nathan Lowell saying, hey, check this out. And uh, 
we started talking about where the idea for this story came from, for the author, because he makes it pretty clear what he's cribbing from. And then we started thinking of different ways he could have gone, processes could have used, and, uh, and hit on a really cool system for generating characters. That's not based on, let me just pick a character I already know from TV and crowbar him into my story with a different name and maybe a scar and an eye patch. Came up with a pseudo-random system for generating characters. that sort of makes the uh, attributes within the character fit with each other. So that was cool. Then we applied it to beat sheets. Could you do the same thing with all of the pinch points for a story? And that got really cool. So now I'm thinking I'm gonna write a little Python code, put a PHP front end on it, and uh, create a random story generator, just for kicks. What I really wanna do though, is create a Cory Doctorow story generator. I keep thinking there are so many similar features to many of his stories. Oh, you know, it'd be awesome. A Cory Doctor of Beat Sheet. Cory Doctor of Beat Sheet shows that it always starts off with a male protagonist who is. Clumsy, but friendly. Doesn't have a lot of friends. But he has a tumultuous experience that seriously twists his life, like he loses access to the internet, or he is temporarily jailed by a police state. And then, while there, he meets up with a bunch of ne'er-do-wells who are similarly attuned including one who's a spunky, irreverent, and capable woman who he instantly falls for but doesn't believe she could ever really like him. And then, while doing something that seems perfectly natural to him, they are looking over his shoulder and they say, wait, nobody's ever done that before. Nobody's ever thought of doing that before. You are a genius. And they start uh, promoting his thing making him famous in the underground and pushing him into a position of authority despite the fact that he is just a humble guy, don't you know? Oh, ma'am, I'm... I don't know what you're talking about. And then... Plot twist. The cops uh, rain down on them again, destroying everything, raising them to the ground. But they cannot defeat the indomitable spirit 
which forces them to come up with an even bigger and more audacious protest against the evil overlord government of Ontario or New York or wherever he's positioning it at the time. And then after that audacious experiment and protest, which results in no fatalities and only tweaking politicians' noses, then suddenly nothing happens. They make a incremental change in government policy. The end. Hello, puppy. So, there you go. There's a Cory Doctor beat sheet. I can think of at least three stories in which he's done exactly that. I bet, with a little flexibility, you could even put Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom in that uh, group. The only reason I mention it is, I know he doesn't always do this. Um, I think it was around Eastern Standard Tribe when when he hit on this formula. Before that, we had some really amazing stuff with Nimby and the D-Hopper, Crap Hound, my personal favorite, Ownzord. That was an amazing short story. So, I know it doesn't have to do these storylines, but he's kind of fallen into that comfortable rhythm. So it would be kind of fun to write up the beat sheet, put it up on Boing Boing. Anyway, uh, we're at 38 minutes. I'm getting the uh, low battery warning. So if I cut out on you, again, apologize. I'm sure it will get better later on. Every iteration of Google Glass gets better. They made it. <laughs>